Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbaugh. The journalist and writer Linda Villarosa has this new book out. It's called Under the Skin, The Hidden Toll of Racism on American Lives and the Health of Our Nation. It's a look at the disparities in healthcare between black people and white people, something Villarosa experienced personally. When her dad was in the hospital with cancer, she went to visit him. And, well, I'll let her describe it. He was shackled basically to the bed. He had restraints. And I said, Mom, what is going on? And she said, your father is really sick and they're treating him like, and she said the N-word. Fiorosa talks to Karen Grisby-Bates from NPR's Code Switch team about how COVID only made these differences more stark and how it's not even about just what happens in the hospital or the doctor's office, but the long-term health effects of dealing with racism every day. This message comes from NPR sponsor LiveRight, publishers of Left for Dead. Shipwreck, treachery, and survival at the edge of the world by Eric J. Dolan. The true story of five castaways abandoned on the Falkland Islands during the War of 1812. Available wherever books are sold. This message comes from NPR sponsor REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping, biking and hiking, axing and snacksing. Visit your local REI Co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways to opt outside. I heard half a dozen stories of people who died because they went to the ER and they said, I can't breathe, I'm not feeling well, I, you know, I'm wondering if I have it. And they were sent back home, basically, and then they ended up dead. Is that still happening? Yes, I think it's still happening. I think because we brought some awareness, it's better. But the basic underlying problem hasn't been solved. I am brought to the case of Dr. Susan Moore, who was a physician in Indiana. She went to the hospital with COVID. She is a doctor. So the very system that she was educated in, that she worked in, didn't help her and in fact may have harmed her. So she said, I have COVID. And she said, I'm in a lot of pain. And um, she was treated as though she was drug seeking when she asked for pain relief. I was crushed. He made me feel like I was a drug addict. And he knew I was a physician. And what really struck me is throughout that recording, her refrain was, this is how Black people get killed. This is how Black people get killed. So she left the hospital and she died. We've been told that before vaccines, COVID recovery was determined largely by a number of factors that are described as comorbidities. In the beginning, doctors were saying, well, why aren't you taking better care of yourself? I'm wondering if there's been some nuance now applied to thinking about that. I think that right now there is more of a textured understanding, but I think still the basic problem is to me threefold. One is the problem of the healthcare system itself. Even though there's plenty of resources, there's not enough empathy and there's discrimination baked into it. The second thing is We live in segregated communities. We live in places that were harmed a century ago, partly through redlining, partly through um, contract buying in Chicago, where my mother was from, and nobody could really own a home. So these communities are ones that aren't that healthful. In other words, the air might be dirty because they are near a polluting facility. The other thing is the idea of weathering. So weathering is the idea that fighting against discrimination day in, day out, 
ages you prematurely. Each time an incident happens, it fires up the systems of your body, including your blood pressure, your cortisol, um, your stress hormones, and even your pulse rate. So if that happens over and over and over, as it does in the case of people who are Black in this country, it weathers the body the way a storm might weather a home, knocks the shutters off, chips the paint. Mm. If we are weathered, which is a kind of premature aging, then it's not a shock why we would have worse COVID outcomes at younger ages. Another place we see racial disparities is in maternal and infant mortality rates. You actually followed a Black woman, Simone Landrum, into the delivery room in New Orleans, and you describe, beyond the numbers, an issue with how she was treated. Can you tell us about that? One of the things that struck both the doula, Latona Giwa, and I at the beginning was they interviewed her multiple times, and they said, how many children do you have? And she said, I have two children, and then I lost a baby last year. And then they said, oh, how, when, when was the demise? And they kept calling the baby she lost the demise. And that baby was a little girl who she named Harmony. And um, when she died, Simone herself almost died. And the labor wasn't going great. Her, the current baby was at risk. If you know that someone has been traumatized the year before and things aren't going great right now, you should not be calling the baby the demise. She was treated badly, so badly, in front of me and in front of the doula. The three of us were the only Black people in the room in New Orleans. And I saw them, you know, not listening to her, arguing with her, but also treating her very unkindly, given that their job is to care for her. Wow. Are there... Big studies that pop into your mind immediately when I ask about studies that indicate that bias is a problem? So they looked at amputations for diabetes. Even when everything was equal, Black people were still more likely to get a foot amputated. And so I don't think individual doctors go in being racist. However, somebody made a decision to too often cut off the foot of a Black person. And that was the one that really hit me. I just kept picturing that, picturing someone made that decision. COVID shone a pretty glaring spotlight on the just radical inequities along racial lines that exist still in this country. Is there any hope that that illumination has maybe been the starting point for starting to correct some of those inequities? I think there has been movement. I did a lot of interviewing of medical students, and many of them in this generation were politicized by Black Lives Matter when they were in undergraduate college. So then they went to medical school and they brought that same kind of activism and that spirit with them. And it's very exciting to see groups of um, medical students pushing back against parts of their education that they say, well, this is old. I don't want to be a doctor like this. I want to confront my biases and not enter the field with them. So, you know, there, there are bits of hope, but I think we have to just keep this issue on the forefront and not shy away from it. That was Linda Villarosa, author of Under the Skin, The Hidden Toll of Racism in American Lives and on the Health of Our Nation. She spoke with NPR's Karen Grigsby-Bates. A longer version of the conversation can be heard on the Code Switch podcast.
This message comes from NPR sponsor, Acorn TV. Acorn TV is brilliant television told brilliantly. From charmingly cozy mysteries to daringly dark dramas. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. Acorn TV. Brilliant. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts.